This is KMTT, and this is Ezra Bick, the shiur, weekly shiur Al Parshat HaShavua, on Parshat HaShavua, this week's Pasha is Parshat Vayigash. Without attempting to give uh, grades to different Parshiot in the Torah, I'm speaking about myself now, not about the Torah. Parshat Vayigash is, at least for my own experience, perhaps the most dramatic parsha in the Torah. The opening scene, Yehuda speaking to Yosef, Yosef confessing, making himself known to the brothers, is from the point of view of, of, of drama, from the point of view of, of if this was a, uh, a, a, a script, is the most dramatic, the most tortured, the most emotional scene in the entire Torah. Later on, Yaakov meeting Yosef afterwards, the brothers coming back to Yaakov, Pasuk, but the Hai Ruach Yaakov Avihem, Yaakov comes back to life, meets Yosef. There's a confluence in this Pasha of confrontations with overwhelming uh, results. We're at a crossroad the feeling at the beginning of the Pasha of, of this confrontation and a crossroad, what, what, where will we go from here, is, is, is really overwhelming and, and turns out as it turns out. So again, I'm not saying that anything special about the Pasha, I'm saying something about myself. I have a, uh, I, I, I react to this, this, this fantastic Pasha called Pasha Vayigash. It's interesting to note what Vayigash says about the theme that was so present in Vayeshev, Miketz, Vayigash, and eventually Vayechi, of plans and schemes and actions taken by people and how they turn out. There's a well-known uh, statement of Chazal uh, about the brothers Yaakov and Yosef, None of the actors in this story are uh, in true control of what takes place because God controls everything. So Yaakov, Yosheb, Betanito, Yaakov thinks his life is over. Things are taking place which will have a totally different outcome than he expects. Uh, the brothers think that they can get rid of Yosef by selling him into slavery. Turns out that he's a becomes king, ruler of Egypt. Uh, Yosef Things, a number of things, uh, a number of plans. That's what we're going to talk about. But in any event, uh, Yosef has one understanding of where they're going, and, and everything turns out. Surely, when Yosef was in jail, he he didn't know where he was heading. He didn't know the meaning of why he was in Egypt. Why was he in jail? Everything is being planned actually by God, and and we are to some extent. I use this word advisedly. We're puppets, or we're surely not masters of the future fate to which we're uh, to which we're heading. This is especially poignant when you get to Yosef in this week's Pasha. And Yosef in last week's Pasha comes across as the master puppeteer, the master manipulator of other people, including not just their fate, but also their emotions. Remember, Yosef is this Egyptian ruler. He has the brothers, 10, 11 brothers, in front of him, 
he understands what they're saying, as the Pasuk says explicitly, because they speak in Hebrew, but he understands it. And he hears their beginning of their expression of remorse, regret, and their confession. But he pretends to be somebody else. He's wearing a mask of somebody else, of the autocratic Egyptian ruler. And he's manipulating the brothers. By behind the scene, in a very clever, I'm sure in his own eyes clever, very clever methods, uh, putting the money in their sacks, putting the Gevi'ah HaKesef, the silver cup, in the sack of Binyamin, sending them back to Bin Binyamin, putting Shimon in jail. He has all these manipulations, all these schemes that he's doing in order to get some sort of a result. The truth is, what result does he want is not clear. There's a lot of arguments about that. But in any event, he surely thinks, and is successful, is successful in the meantime, in being behind the scenes, getting people to do things because he wants them to do it. Getting people to feel things because he wants them to feel. He's also manipulating their emotions. He elicits, he gets the brothers to express to to each other, not to him, to express to each other the regret, the beginning of remorse for what happened when they threw Yosef into the pit. Um, And if, which I think is true, and if the ultimate purpose of the entire scheme is to have the brothers realize and express and feel their mutual uh, responsibility, both for him, in retrospect, without knowing that he's alive, and for Binyamin, that they will take care of each other no matter what, if that, I think, is the result, and I think it is, um, then Yosef is, is, is pushing the brothers all the time. I think he's not just discovering that they feel that way, he's also eliciting it. He's getting them to express feelings which they would not have otherwise have felt, uh, not because he puts it into them, but sometimes when you demand of somebody, you give somebody an opportunity to, uh, to step up, he discovers in himself things that he did not know they were there. And therefore the brothers only, for the first time, say, last week's Pasha, we are guilty that we heard our brother crying, we did not listen. They only say that when they've been placed in the position of watching Shimon uh, be taken away and, and, and the brotherly feelings now have to, be, have to be expressed. I can't get into Yosef's head. Really, what's in Yosef's head we really don't know. And this question as to why Yosef acts the way he does elicited uh, 20 or more years ago in the virtual Beit Midrash a celebrated uh, argument, confrontation and a series of articles between Rav Yaakov Midan and Rav Yol Binun as to why... Uh, how, how, what, what is Yosef's plan, if he has a plan? But in this week's Pasha, we see that even Yosef, the master manipulator, the ruler of all of Egypt, the ruler of himself, breaks down. And whatever his plan was, something else takes place. Now we have to realize how, how strong Yosef was. Yosef has spent a couple of months facing his brothers. I mean, I, I think I could pull off what Yosef did for 10 minutes. If I had to pretend to be somebody else to get, because I wanted to fool somebody. I didn't want you to know who I am. I meet somebody and don't want him to know who I am. I want to be able to talk to him and he should express something. I think I could pull it off for 10 minutes. 
then I would tell him, Yosef for months has stood in front of the brothers and and pretended to be a stranger, put one in jail, taking him out of jail, put the money into their into their sacks, sent them home, sent them home to Yaakov with a false story. He's very strong. He's very much in control, not only of them. I mean, he's achieving his control of them. He is being the puppeteer to their puppets. He's also very much in control of himself. He doesn't give away even a hint of who he is. Poker-faced, he listens to them speaking Hebrew and says nothing. And when, in fact, the, the Torah says in last week's parasha that Yosef is overcome by hearing what they say, I'm not claiming that Yosef isn't human, He's not merely a cold, he is a cold calculating person, but he's not merely a cold calculating person. Uh, but he's able to overcome that, over, over, overcome that as well. And, and, uh, and so he turns away, and, 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 he, and he gets over it, and he continues. Without giving away his role, he continues the plot that he is, uh, that he's, that he's, that he's conducting. And now, in Pashat Vayigash, unlike the previous occasion, in Pashat Miketz, when Yosef overhears the conversation in Hebrew between the brothers to each other and Uvein. It says, He turned away from them and he cried. He did cry. But he was able to control himself belonging to the next room. He didn't give away his plot. He didn't give away his game. And then he came back. So he needed five minutes to, to compose himself. But he composed himself. So Yosef is human and he controls his human, his human expressions. In Vayigash, Yosef breaks down. And it's really interesting to note what gets Yosef to break down. Yudah chooses a method of approaching Yosef. Now, I think there are two things that affect Yosef in the end. But one of them is explicit in the, in the Pasha and the other one, which I think is very important, I have to admit is not. Because I have a theory many people share, I didn't make it up, that Yehuda's speech to Yosef is the final proof that the brothers are worthy. Yehuda offers himself as a slave in place of Binyamin, offers himself to be cut off from the family in order so that Yaakov will not have to suffer the loss of Binyamin again. And I think it's true, I, I really think this is correct, that that fact, that what Yehuda and in effect all of the brothers, but Yehuda being the one to do it, uh, Yehuda the leader, Yehuda the one who actually suggested selling Yosef in the first place, uh, that fact is the demonstration that the brothers have gotten over the division and the enmity that existed beforehand, and therefore, that, that, that's the point of the Pasha. 
That's the point of the story. The point of the story is that now that we have B'nai Yisrael, now we have Yaakov's family, Shalem, Mitato Shalema. And Yaakov was therefore saying, Vayigash, he kavtsu. All the sons come together and listen to Yaakov Abichem because now we have, Abisar can exist. Now we have Beit Yisrael. We're not going to be division, dividing ourselves as in previous generations. The children of Abraham, the children of Yitzhak, the children of Yaakov will be one. From the point of view of God, from the point of view of the story, I think that's what's been achieved here. Did Yosef realize that? doesn't say so in the parasha. What it says in the parasha is something else, a second point. Yosef doesn't react to what Yehuda is doing, but he reacts to the words that Yehuda is using. And without a doubt, the words of Yehuda are extremely, extremely emotional. Yehuda is choosing. I don't know if he did this coldly, intellectually, or or he, he himself was driven by his own emotions. But Yehud is appealing to the emotional side of his brother Yosef, the ruler of Egypt. The words which lead to Yosef confessing his identity to his brothers, the end of Yehuda's speech, when I return to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with me, the soul of Yaakov and the soul of Binyamin are intertwined. And how can I go back? How will I return to my father? The lad is not with me. Lest I see the evil, lest I will have to see the evil which will occur to my father. In other words, he's saying my father is going to die. If I come back now without Binyamin, my father will die. Now, you're speaking to the ruler of Egypt. Will that convince him? You have to have an innate belief that the ruler of Egypt is a human being with a heart. But that, that sentence, is the crucial sentence. Because the next sentence doesn't say, and Yosef answered him. It says, "Velo yachol Yosef lehitapek lechol anitzavim alav." This is not only a description of the fact that Yosef told everybody to leave the room, or the Egyptians to leave the room. It says that Yehuda spoke, and Yosef could not control himself. "Velo yachol Yosef lehitapek," he cannot control himself in the presence of all the people. And he called out. He didn't say. He didn't order. He didn't give an order. He didn't sign a proclamation. He Everyone should leave. Why did he chase all the Egyptians to leave? He's trying to keep something secret. Was it an intellectual decision to keep the nature of the relationship between Yosef and his brothers a secret? They wouldn't say. He wouldn't yell. And no one remained when Yosef disclosed himself to his brothers. Yosef is protecting the privacy. He can't bear to have strangers at this point. Because what's taking place here, when, when do we not want strangers, something takes place? When it's private. It's the elementary tzniyas. When you do something which which doesn't concern anybody else, which is private, it's from my heart. 
then, then no one else can be there. I know it's true today. You go to a bar mitzvah, so father makes a speech, saying how much he loves his son. Mother makes a speech saying how much she loves her husband and her son. The son makes a speech saying how much he loves his parents. It's very cool. It's not that, it's public. It wasn't that private to begin with. The truth is, 50 years ago, I don't think we heard speeches like that. It, it, it would have been considered to be a, an overly shallow disclosure of what should be said, what should be said only in private. So, okay, the world has, uh, has, has developed in a certain manner. But but we all know there are certain things. A true disclosure, when a person bears his soul, he can't bear that other people should just be watching it like it was a, uh, like, like it was a performance on a stage. And that's what's taking place here. He can't bear to have these Egyptian strangers because he's not saying, okay, I decided to Make shalom with you. You've passed the test. I gave you a test. Last week's parasha. And, oh wow, you've passed the test. So now, guess what? I'm Yosef, you're my brothers, let's decide what to do. No, no, Yosef is bearing his own soul. He's breaking down. And therefore, the next pasuk, Yosef says to Obi-Wan to leave. Next book should be Yosef Eli when he discloses himself to his brothers. The next book should be, and now I disclose myself to my brother. That's two psukim. Two psukim from now. Pasuk Gimel, Vayoma Yosef Eli Achav Ani Yosef. Pasuk Bet is, Vayitainet Kolo Bifchi. He cries. That's all he does. He cries. Vayitainet Kolo Bifchi. Vayishma'u Mitzrayim, Vayishma' Beit Paro. What in fact is the is the importance of having them all here, all of Egypt and all of the house of Paro hears Yosef cry. It doesn't come up later on the Pasha. No, no, no one mentions this. No Egyptian comes to Yosef and says, "Oh, I heard you crying last night." It's going to tell us how how wrenching was the cry of Yosef. Surely Yosef didn't intend for them to hear the cry. He just threw them, out, threw them out of the room so that they shouldn't be there. But when he begins to speak, probably not intending, he, be- he wants to speak. He can't speak. He cries and he can't control the cry. Yosef is out of control. I think that's the meaning of the, of the expression, Vayitain et kolo bifchi. I can only translate this literally. And he gave, or he placed his voice in in weeping. What do you mean he placed his voice away? Just say, Vayefk. Later on, when Yosef meets Yaakov, he cries. Yosef meets uh, Binyamin, he cries. Here it says, Vayitainet kolo bivchi. He placed his voice, he gave his voice over to weeping. I think it means that he planned to say something. Vayitainet kolo bivchi. Vayitainet kolo in English means and he expressed himself. Yosef is saying what he's supposed to say. The previous Pasuk said, no one is present when Yosef makes himself known to his brothers. The next Pasuk should be, and Yosef made himself known to his brothers. Correct. He made himself known to his brothers. How did he do that? Not willingly, not intellectually. Vayitainet kolo, and he expressed the making himself known to his brothers. It didn't work. It, it, it was in a wordless, meaningless chaotic 
soul-wrenching weeping. Such a wrenching cry that it was heard in all of Egypt and all of the house of Pharaoh. A few seconds go by. And he, he, yeah, he does continue. Vayomer Yosef Bani Yosef. Okay, that, that's making himself known to his brothers. Ha'odavichai is my father alive. That's the, the, the Farshim were floored by that. He should, and he's already talking, he's gotten the words out. He should say, I am Yosef. And you're my brothers, and, and get to the point. That'll be the next speech. So David begins again, Vayomer Yosef. And that already is come. Yosef says to his brothers, I am your safe. Don't be upset. You sold me. Don't be upset. God has done this. Now go back at my father. Then he has a whole speech that's intellectual, logical, and, 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 and controlled. But before he gets to that, you have three stages. One is, he throws everybody out of the room. Two, he just breaks down in crying. And then when he finally gets to talk and words express intellectual concepts, he says, I your safe. I am your safe. Is my father still alive? No, come on. We know his father is alive. Yehuda's speech was predicated on the fact that Jacob is alive and will break down and will die if I come home alone without without Binyamin. So some of us say that Yosef didn't believe him. I I, I think the pshat is that this isn't this isn't meant to make sense. This isn't what Yosef planned to say. He said had to say Ani Yosef. He might say what comes in the next passage. When he said, I am my father, again, he's not speaking from the heart. His heart is pouring out, first of all, wordless weeping, and then words that don't necessarily make all that much sense. And again, notice the contrast. Yosef has spent nine years, Yosef hasn't seen his father for, thir- for, for um, 22 years. He was 17 when he was sold. He was 30 when he met Paro. And this is nine years later. Seven years of plenty and two years of famine. Hasn't seen his father for 22 years. But okay, a lot of that time he really didn't have an opportunity to do anything else. But for the last nine years he's been ruler of Egypt. And apparently, for whatever reason, and again, I don't know the reason, I suggest heartily that you go back, look in the archives of the VBM and read the article uh, by Rav Meidan and by uh, Rabbi Nun who offer theories as to why Yosef didn't send a word, didn't send a letter to his father. But, but Yosef is in control of his emotions, he's in control of his identity and he's in control of his own love for his father. And when it breaks, it breaks down without, without control. It really makes no sense to say Ha'od Avichai. But it's been bottled up in him for 22 years. And for nine years, he's kept the lid on this question, this yearning, this thirst, this, this, this inchoate desire to see his father again. He's kept the lid on it. And now it all breaks down. Yosef says to his brothers, because they're not answering him, Come close to me. And they come close. And then he gives them a nice speech. Gishu, come close. Everybody knows that's the name of the Pasha. Vayigash, Elav Yudah. What does it mean, Vayigash? When Yaakov, when Yudah goes to speak to Yosef, he comes close to him. Vayigash, Elav Yudah. Vekarev levatei Yudah. Yudah, pen himself, come close. 
And then he says, the answer was given in Tanwishin of the Pasuk. He says to Yosef, I want to say something to the ears of my master. Don't we always talk to the ears of people? So Rashi says, doesn't mean he whispered. It means, let my words get into your heart. When you speak emotionally, when you're appealing to the emotions of Yosef, you say, Geshuna, or Vayagash. Because I'm not just putting up a thesis which you can read about, or, or read it on the wall, or listen to it in the tape. I'm, make, I'm not making a speech. And, and of course, you, that's what he does. He, he presents only the emotional aspect of, of the ramifications of Yosef's plans. And now Yosef also says to the brothers, Kshuna Eli, I have nothing, nothing here that I have to explain to you that you don't know, but, but, but listen to what, I'm on, what I have to say. Yosef is speaking from his heart as opposed to Yosef who's been speaking from, from the most exterior part of his brain, of his cortex, for the last few months when he spoke to the brothers. This is the ultimate example of Rabot Machshavot Badevish, Vatsat Hashem Hitakum. Not just that, sometimes we have plans that don't turn out the way we, we intend. Because the outside world doesn't always do what we tell it to do. Here, the inner world doesn't do what we tell it to do. Yosef did not plan to expose himself. Plan, didn't plan to expose himself. He, didn't, he did not plan even to reveal himself. He sure didn't plan to break down. Yosef, the master manipulator, I imagine, maybe I'm wrong, it's important to remember that Chazal called Yosef, Yosef Hatzadik, because sometimes we're inclined to forget it. But Yosef's success in the last few months of controlling the brothers' lives, controlling their emotions, controlling their very speech, he's definitely acting like God, And I wonder as to whether or not, to some extent, even at least subconsciously, whether he's beginning to feel about himself, Rabot Machshavot Ba'atzat Yosef Yosef is in control of other people's destiny. It's true that he's in control of all, of all of Egypt's destiny. He's running the lives of millions of people. But he's running the inner lives of these 11 brothers. And, and total control of himself. The most disciplined, the most disciplined figure we can imagine. Now it turns out that not only is Yosef, as I said last week, is he the master of dreams, it turns out that Yosef is the master of crying. Nobody cries like Yosef. He cries in the beginning of the Pasha with the brothers. He cries when he hugs Binyamin. He cries when he meets Yaakov. Yosef cries a lot, a lot, three times. In fact, the Pasuk emphasizes it. When he meets Yaakov, that he cried, and then he cried more. He cried excessively, Rashi says. The Pasuk in, uh, when, when uh, Yosef meets when Yosef meets Yaakov, so it says, of course, that they, they embrace, or to be more exact, it says that uh, Yosef embraces Yaakov. It 
it says that he it says that he cried. Well, he, the subject of the sentence, was Yosef. And then it says he cried more. Rashi says it. It doesn't mean more. It means he cried excessively. He cried more than you would have expected. More than we would have expected knowing the facts. Even more than that. Yosef is the master of crying. Compare the Yosef of last week's Pasha. Yosef, the cold, autocratic ruler of people, their destinies, their fate, and their very emotions. As well, of course, as his own. He who didn't write his father for the last nine years. He who didn't disclose himself to his brothers for the last few months. He who didn't disclose himself to his brother, Binyamin, who he's going to cry in a second. Imagine the same person who cries on the, on the, on the shoulders of Binyamin in another minute, for the last few months, just stared at him coldly, yeah? gave him a little extra food, didn't say a word. You're not even master of yourself. Not only will your plans turn out the way you planned, your, 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 your ability to even do what you plan to do is not in your hands. In the end, I don't know exactly what Yosef was planning to do, but we know that he wasn't planning to do what happened. He wasn't planning to say to the brothers, Ani Yosef, at this point. It was torn out of his heart. If anybody is successful in doing a plan here, it's Yehuda. Yehuda has a plan to get an emotional reaction from the ruler of Egypt, and he succeeds. And he succeeds, and then and, and not exactly the way he expected. He succeeds in saving Binyamin, that's what he expected. He succeeds in what he hadn't expected, of saving all of Amisa, of bringing Amisa together. This uh, facet of your, having your own existence, your own emotional state not being in your hands, is reflected later on the Pasha in Yaakov as well, in a much less... Well, not, not less dramatic, but less extensive manner. When the brothers come back and tell Yaakov that Yosef is alive and they show him the presence that Yosef has, has sent, they, 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 they make it real. But Ruach Yaakov Avihem, and Yaakov's spirit was revitalized. Yaakov comes back to life. In terms of the uh, distance between the two poles that's greater than Yosef. Yosef was a cold, calculating individual, and now he became a warm, emotional lover of, lover of his brothers. Yaakov was dead. But the chi, ruach, Yaakov, Yaakov came back to life. He was dead before that. If he was dead, he wasn't planning on being alive. Yaakov had no plan at all. I think that's the point of the Pasha. Yaakov had given up. He wasn't controlling anything. The brothers are running the show here. A little bit when he, they finally force him, when Yudah finally forces him to send Yaakov, uh, Binyamin down. So he has a little bit of plan. He says, take some peanuts with you. But, but, and, and now also they, they, they drag him to Egypt. They, they, they put him on a, on a cart. They walk. He rides. But, but, hearing about Yosef brings Yaakov back to life. Hearing about Yaakov brings Yosef back to being Yosef HaTzadik, HaYehudi, HaBen Yisrael, and that Yosef HaShalit HaKol Eretz Mitzrayim. Things that go into your ears, things that go into your heart, change your character. Not less, perhaps even more, than your plans for your own future, or your lack of plans for your own future. 
That's a deep theme of this Pasha. And that can be seen as one, the way Chazal expressed it more generally, people have planned many plans, but God's design is that which will take place. Specifically, in the case of Yosef, I think it's saying even more than that. It's saying that counting on our own intelligence to make plans for our environment, for the people around us, will founder, will rise and fall, and very often will fall because of the nature of the inner emotional state of human being. What a computer can do, a man cannot do. And I don't, I'm not saying this as criticism. I'm not saying this as criticism. It's saying this as a deeper understanding of value. What might appear to be a plan on the basis of intellectual considerations will fail not only because God has other plans, and His plans will be more powerful than yours, but also because the plans were real to begin with because they were based on cold intellectual considerations. But it's complicated, difficult to define, hard to grasp, definitely hard to predict, and impossible to control. Relationship between human beings, relationships of love and responsibility and pity and consideration and yes, an enmity the complicated relationship of enmity and love that existed between Yosef and his brothers, all those things you can't figure out in advance, therefore you can't count on them, but in the end, they will control what takes place. In the end, Yosef and his brothers get together because Yosef couldn't maintain anymore the charade that he was conducting and ripped from his own face the mask that he had placed there totally against his will at the time, and this discovery of Yosef, that he can cry, which he then rather freely indulges in in the future, uh, is, I think, a point that the Torah wants to make about human beings and about Yosef HaTzadik. Again, as I said last week, this, this isn't a, a, a foundation stone in the history of Amisa. It's not, it's not, it doesn't belong to the Avot. Avot don't cry that much, if at all. But it's one aspect of being a Jew. And for that, Yosef is again taken as a uh, paradigm. Yosef, not that he knows when to cry. Yosef allows himself, or Yosef, it happens. And Yosef learns to, to pour out his soul, to pour out his heart when it needs to be done and when it has to be done. Shabbat Shalom V'chol Tov.